0: Last week, Final Fantasy VII Remake Integrade was announced for the PC at the Game Awards and shortly after that they announced the system requirements for it. They also gave us system requirements for God of War. It seems like my AAA gaming video couldn't have been better timed. By the way, thanks for making that my most liked video. You can't see the dislike count anymore, so this is me pretending it wasn't actually my most disliked video. In any case, today we're going to theorycraft about how these games will play on the Steam Deck. We'll also discuss the $70 price tag of Final Fantasy, some big game announcements, and updates on Steam Deck packaging, Steam Client, and Steam OS. Let's get into it! What's good, Deck Gang? The Game Awards aired Thursday night, December 9th. I don't normally watch these to be honest, but I checked them out this year just in case there was something juicy to talk about here. And you know what? There were a few things. But the thing I was most excited about was the announcement that Final Fantasy VII Remake was coming to PC. And just a week after it was announced at that. Now if you've paid attention to game leaks, you may know that this was part of the big Nvidia leak earlier this year. And if you've been watching my videos, you probably know that while I was skeptical of that big leak at first, it now seems like most of what was in the leak was real to some extent. So the announcement of Final Fantasy VII isn't exactly a surprise but I certainly welcome this announcement nonetheless. It seems the exclusivity with Sony is up and it's now coming to PC, sadly under another exclusivity agreement, this time with Epic Games Store. I'm accustomed to Epic exclusivity agreements lasting one year so I'm expecting the same here. I expect that FF7 will make it to Steam approximately one year from now. This must come as a significant blow to my audience and yes, the PC gaming scene at large. I'm on record as saying deals like this do in fact benefit the developer. I'm a little less enthusiastic about that position when it's not an indie developer, but instead a large AAA publisher with a game that's mostly already been developed. That said, I'm not going to stay on the subject of EGS exclusivity, think of it what you will. Instead, I want to talk about the system requirements that dropped the day after. The FF7 Twitter account tweeted this and you can find the same details on the Epic Store page for this game. The short story is that the specs look good for the Steam Deck. I would say that generally when looking at system requirements, they are typically conservative from the perspective of the developer. I'm going to assume that these here are at least a little conservative as well. The recommended specs are assuming a 1440p resolution so I think it's safe to assume the minimum specs would be for no better than a 1080p resolution. Maybe 720p. They don't specify frame rate for either, but let's look at the minimum column. The GPU specified for minimum settings is the GeForce GTX 780. Cyberpunk 2077 and Control are two other games that use this card for their minimum requirements. We've seen both of these play pretty well on the deck, with the latter being used as marketing material for Valve. So again, conservatively speaking, I feel confident saying that Final Fantasy VII Remake will play at least 800p 30fps on deck at low settings, but the true play experience is likely a bit better than that. If I were a betting man, I would say it hovers at 45fps with a mix of low and mid settings. I would cap it at 30fps and save a little battery life. Moving on to God of War. God of War was released on the PS4 consoles in 2018. By this point, the PS4 Pro had already been released, and this title was pushing the base PS4 pretty hard. Still, it mostly maintained a solid 1080p 30fps throughout the entire campaign, with some drop frames here and there. While the PS4 Pro allowed for an unlocked frame rate, I would say that the intended way to play was at a locked 30fps, and it wasn't until the PS5 60fps update that you could really experience a smooth, consistent 60fps on console. I think that latter lines up with what we're seeing in these system requirements. The minimum and recommended columns are both targeting 30 FPS and it isn't until you have a GTX 1070 or above that you can really target 60 FPS. Naturally, this is going to translate to 30 FPS being the target frame rate for the Steam Deck. You could argue that the 960, which is the graphics card specified for the minimum column, is a bit more powerful than what we understand the Steam Deck to be. That seems a little alarming since that implies that the deck is not powerful enough for 720p 30 FPS at the lowest settings. Other recent games like Watch Dogs Legion and Far Cry 6 both chose the 960 as their card for minimum system requirements. Looking at how these perform on a base PS4, they mostly maintain 30fps at 1080p with some resolution scaling down to 972p. Meanwhile if you are in fact playing Far Cry 6 on a GTX 960, it can play up to 1080p medium settings at a lock 30. So what does that mean? In short, either this is not a great PC port or these system requirements are in fact very conservative. I'm going to lean towards the latter and if I'm a betting man, once again, I will say that God of War will run. 800p 30fps 99.9% of the time with a drop frame here or there on the Steam Deck. Overall, I think things look good for both of these games being playable on deck and I would hope so considering that they were both quite playable on last generation hardware. One more piece of bad news I want to talk about around Final Fantasy VII Remake is the $70 price tag or 80 euros for my EU brothers and sisters. That is a hefty price tag and a lot to ask for. Square Enix is doubling down on this strategy by bringing the same price tag to their upcoming Forspoken. Now when it comes to gaming discourse, this conversation already did the rounds when $70 pricing came to PS5 but now it's coming to PC and Steam and I feel comfortable addressing it here. I'll say I don't like this trend. I get it, inflation is a thing, and it's happening with every product around the globe. We've certainly seen that gaming is not safe. And if the price increase translated to better salaries and better working conditions for the people working on the games, I wouldn't have a problem with the increase. Anecdotally, however, that's just not what I've seen. The customer pays more, developers continue to have the same working conditions and approximately the same pay. So where does the money go? No, really, where does it go? I would love to know. And of course, if sales are good for these two games, then you can expect more PC games debuting at the $70 price tag, especially from the usual suspects. Activision, Ubisoft, Take-Two, and EA. On the flip side, I have seen games that are priced way too low. The fact that Tori and Tori 2 are a buck each is highway robbery. Webbed, and Inscription are game of the year contenders for me and they're available for $10 and $20 respectively. So I'm not mad at price increases. I'm just mad at where they end up getting applied. Even in the case of Final Fantasy VII. It's a wonderful game. It's also a game that's almost 2 years old now. The pricing doesn't seem appropriate to me. But what do you think? Do you think this is a reasonable increase? Speaking of increasing, maybe you can increase the number of likes on this video by hitting the like button. And if you want to see more videos like this, make sure to subscribe and slap that notification bell. Let's do a quick detour to cover the rest of the big announcements at or around the game awards. Tunic got a release date of March 16th. That's going to be a great game on deck. Cuphead DLC titled DLC Island was dated for June 30th. It's not clear to me if this DLC will be available on Steam Day 1, but I suspect it will be. The Island Wake 2 announcement was probably the biggest one. Remedy has said that this is going to be their first survival horror title, so I'm excited about that prospect. Their last release was Alan Wake Remastered and that was an EGS exclusive. It looks like the sequel will follow suit. And Rumbleverse was another exciting announcement for me. This one is being developed by Iron Galaxy Studios but it is being published by Epic across all platforms so this is going to be an exclusive title. Still, it looks like a lot of fun. It's a battle royale but you won't find any guns here. Iron Galaxy has some fine-tuned fighting game chops with games like Killer Instinct and Divekick under their belts, and Rumbleverse has some of that DNA. The pro wrestling style combat looks like a roaring good time. This title will be free to play with the usual cosmetic items for purchase. One more oddity was an Amazon Luna ad that mentioned Judgment on the platform. This is a new development and it will be available on Luna starting later this week. I was hoping that this meant that a PC announcement was coming, but we have yet to see that. Finally, there was an AMD ad that featured Xbox and our very own Steam Deck. The nod was subtle, but I know if you're on this channel and happen to see that ad, you definitely saw the logo. And did you see Shell? So now we've seen Shell on what amounts to national television, we've seen a companion cube during the teardown video, and we've seen a portal themed Steam Deck. Is Valve trying to tell us something? With that, let's get into some other cool Steam Deck news. RetroArch on Steam was updated to version 1.9.14. There are a lot of good updates there, but mostly I want to talk about the cores. RetroArch added 8 new cores to the Steam version, which means added support for the following consoles. Amstrad CPC, Neo Geo Pocket, Neo Geo Pocket Color, Game Boy Advance, Atari 7800, PlayStation, Commodore Amiga, and Commodore 8-bit computers, and finally, Super Nintendo. Each core is available as free DLC for the RetroArch app on Steam. Nothing was stopping you from playing these on Linux before, but I say that the addition of these cores to the Steam app make it a little more convenient to play and manage these on deck. There were also updates to the Steam client and SteamOS in a developer branch that have some deck-focused changes. For the client, they've added a work-in-progress version of the new controller configurator. We saw this back on a dev stream. They point out that you may need to use the old configurator for some power user actions like choosing icons for touch menus. They add that the old configurator is still still accessible should you need it. For SteamOS, the big update is that it now takes significantly less space on disk. It took 24GB in the previous build but now only takes up 10GB of space. Sounds like that leaves about 50GB of space for games on the 64GB model. That's pretty neat. There were otherwise kernel updates for system components like GPU and audio. Additionally, they seem to be addressing any issues that devs are identifying like Wi-Fi performance. Interestingly, some dev units have Samsung memory and others have Micron memory. On the subject of dev kits, Durante has given an update over on the Meta Console forums. He says after the latest system update, suspend and resume only take a second or two in the games he tested. He also points out that Proton on Deck is working much better than what's available to us today. He's tested some of the games he's ported that are known to have issues on Proton and they are working remarkably well on deck. He mentions Valkyria Chronicles 4. On ProtonDB, some people mentioned performance issues for that one. I also looked up Trails of Cold Steel 3, which appears to have more recent reports with significant performance problems. To hear that Proton on Steam Deck is further along than we can see is quite heartening. Proton is already very impressive, but it seems like it may be a disservice to compare what we have today to what will be on deck. The last big update on Steam Deck are the blog posts that Valve made around the packaging. Back on December 2nd, they made a blog post about the packaging for the 64 and 256 gigabyte models. The packaging itself is very nondescript with the exception of the fun warning images that include a Steam Deck logo and a Portal companion cube. By the way, there goes another Portal reference. On the inside of the box is text that tells you all the places and languages in which to play the Steam Deck. As fate would have it, some of those languages are primarily spoken in countries where you can't reserve a Steam Deck yet. Ouch. In the box is a one-pager on how to plug in and power the Steam Deck. Under that is the Steam Deck case on one side and Power Supply on the other. Power Supply packaging has yet another companion cube. Finally, the case itself has a monochromatic deck logo and a zipper pull with a tag that has a Valve logo. What's missing from this that we'll see in the 512GB deck is what the inside and back of the case looks like. Going ahead then and looking at the 512 model, you immediately see the deck logo has some color to it with the blue inner circle. This case has a gray interior with a sophisticated texture to it that is as opposed to the black interior of the other model. Both of these differ from the blue case we've seen with dev kits. This packaging also comes with a Steam Deck branded microfiber cleaning cloth and a drawstring pouch for the power cord. The zipper pulls here are white, unbranded, and appear to be a better quality than the other case. You get a better look at the inside of the case here and then the back of the case here. The back has a retaining elastic band and a built-in storage pocket that looks perfect for fitting one of those SD card holders I've mentioned a few times now. Honestly, both of these cases look neat and it's nice to have a portable handheld that comes with a carrying case. Nicely done, Valve. Nicely done. And lastly, a couple of quick hit items before I leave you to your own devices. In a recent episode of The WAN Show, LTT has said that they are planning to include Linux compatibility in future hardware reviews. It was a very short snippet. But I really hope this comes to fruition. It also seems that Linus is showing very clearly here that he does want Linux to improve and that he wants to hold hardware companies accountable for Linux compatibility. I don't know. I feel like someone I know said something to that effect in their Linux challenge response video. Does that sound familiar to you? Put a penguin emoji in your comment if you know what I'm talking about. And I'm not going to do an add these to your wishlist segment this week but if you like boomer shooters check this out. First, Ash's Afterglow is a Doom 2 total conversion that looks absolutely bonkers. It has a bit of a build engine look in the textures and a cityscape that I might not describe as realistic but I'll say it's much less abstract than what we see in Doom 2. Second, it has added a horde mode to the Quake remaster that came out earlier this year. This thing is fun as heck and I would highly recommend it. This remaster has been the gift that keeps on giving. Pick it up if you haven't already. And if you made it this far, you are a real one and you may have heard this before. Like and subscribe. Slap the bell to get notified. Tell a friend it's a vibe. Deck Gang out. Goodbye.